With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome back. It is a quarter to seven. Mark Duffield in after eight o'clock. He has a lineup to the stars. Josh Kennedy, of course, a regular here on SENWA. Also joining us, him, will be Paul Hazelby. Darren Harris, West Perth coach, of course, and premiership coach. And, of course, also Bo Casson from WA Cricket after their disappointing performance in the Shield game. Uh, Duff after eight o'clock. And Duff has also written on Code Sport and some sad news through just been posted that the West Coast Eagles Football Club and their young... Uh, Rookie listed midfielder Zane True, his mother Dana True, lost her battle with cancer yesterday. Yeah. So it comes three weeks after Rhett Bazo's mother Kylie was killed tragically down there in a boating accident in Mandra. And look, you can read more in Mark Duffield's work on Code Sport. Let's talk basketball with, well, one bloke who uh, sort of kept the peace over the weekend, didn't get involved in the I'm sure, on Twitter. No. His name is Pete didn't, Hawley. Didn't revel in the Wildcats losing. No, because that's not his job. No. NBL analyst, sports writer and broadcaster. Mind you, he comes from Melbourne. They've got nothing to gloat about. And that's Pete Hawley. <laughs> Appreciate your time, Pete. Thanks for joining us. The Wildcats are out. No real shock. They were chasing their tail a little bit, but I think Sydney might be the team breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief. That was one team that Sydney struggled with was the Wildcats. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it kind of looked like the Wildcats had spent, well, firstly, their physical energy in those last two games and more so the emotional energy to win by the two points needed to get into the playing tournament and then to come back in that fourth quarter over the Phoenix to look like both physical and emotional and mental, everything had taken the toll and they just ran out of gas against the Cairns team that we've seen it all season long. They play really fast. It doesn't matter who's on the floor, who's missing, they're all going to play the same way and they seem to just catch up with the Wildcats in the end. Interesting that the Cairns Taipans and we can have McCall and also Pinder, you can debate all you like whether they're their two most important players or best players but hey, they beat Perth at home and away without those blokes in the last uh, fortnight. Yeah, I mean, I think it speaks really highly of what Adam Ford's done with this group. A young group, the youngest group in the league, and he's put together a lineup of guys that he trusts and he, he gives them the confidence to go and play really above the level that everyone's accustomed to seeing them play. And they missed their two key guys, and I'll put DJ Hogue up there. Obviously, he had a terrific game, but uh, guys like Bull Qual, he would have gone to us. I need you on the offensive end, and Bull Qual has a career night offensively. Lat Main comes in, only playing a few minutes all season long, plays 32 minutes in an important game and has some big moments as well. So a lot of credit to Adam Ford for what he's done with this group. Pete, uh, the thing that we care about is Sydney losing. Can Cairns beat them? Well, I think they can. I think it's, you talk about they, they breathe a sigh of relief. I'm not so sure. Not so sure. It depends what happens with Tajima McCall. I think that's a big out for the way they play against the Kings. But Kings have the season series 2-1. And the only game they lost was that Kuatnoi buzzer beating three, which was a breakdown at the end from Cairns. So really, Cairns should have swept them. And I spoke to Adam Ford last week, asked him who his dream grand final series matchup would be, and he wanted the Kings. He gets it a series earlier. But he said this is – he. 
he put this team together to completely combat what the Sydney Kings do. He said that last year they had uh, a, a game that they were training in the Kansas City two courts over. He said they could hear what they were saying. They were talking about how soft they were. Uh, they wouldn't. They were bad on switching defense. And Ford said, look, it's 100% accurate what they were saying. But he said, oh, I put this team together to try and go up. And if you want to be the champions, you've got to beat the champions. So he's got his dream matchup, and I cannot wait to see how it plays out. Oh, nor can we. I've never backed for us. I've never loved snakes more than I I do right now. Cannot wait for the Thai fans to do this. Uh, just in regards to um, the Sydney Kings and Cairns. So Cairns played a, a series. Uh, they got to get through. They, they they lose to Tassie. They beat Perth. They go again on Wednesday, starting tomorrow against Sydney. Sydney don't do anything for you know eight to ten days. You've been there. You've been at the coalface of basketball teams. It wasn't that long ago you were playing in finals and the likes yourself, Pete. Just tell us a bit about the psyche and the mental preparation for both teams. Would you rather be the team that's playing and winning and staying alive or would you rather be the team sitting back, cooling your jets and preparing? Yeah, I think it can go either which way. It depends what, what the focus is of the team and what's been happening before the break. And I actually think not playing for this time for the Kings is going to help them because they lost four games in a row leading into the end of the season. So they would have had a, a chance to probably uh, end that last game after the loss and say, you know what, okay, we, we can have a little celebration of finishing top of the ladder. We get the first tick, but then we go back and we're having a full I've all snapped back into reality and we're going to charge this thing head on. And I mean, you talk about my own experiences. We lost actually to the Wildcats by 42 before uh, a fever break one time. And it gave Dean Vickman a chance to basically send us to MMA, UFC, all this kind of stuff and beat each other up. And then we came back and went on a run and won a championship. So it can work both ways. If they come out and still a little tentative, a bit sluggish because they haven't played for so long, that can be where it hurts. But ultimately players want to keep playing. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how much intra-squad scrimmage they would have done, but I'm sure they're going to try and come out firing. Where would you rate the Wildcats' seasons, Pete? Are you going to score out of 10 under the uh, obviously the first season of John Rilly? Uh Probably a six. I think a six is probably fair because you look at where they came from. Halfway through the season, everybody was saying it's a disaster. I think we were in a lot of strife, and I like the way they turned things around. He had to make some big calls. Uh, in terms of um, changing the rotation, shortening that up a little bit. And I give a lot of credit to, to young pros. I think people forget. I know Brady Maddox an import, but he's straight out of college and everyone was calling for his head two months into the season yeah. and he finished the season like a house on fire. And, and I think that the way he finished the season, you're already having those conversations of, okay, who are we putting around Bryce? But who else are we going to put around the team? Is there a spot where we can bring Brady Manning back? Because I'm sure they'd love to to bring him back with how well he shot the ball and seemed to really come accustomed to the league. So, look, I don't think it's a, a failure in any stretch of a season. I know if you don't win the title, everyone thinks it's the be-all, end-all, but I think the way they turned it around, it was looking a lot more bleak than it ended up being towards the end. No doubt about that. A big, um, big man crashing board. Yeah, shots. so they'll go and get a big man. So Tayshawn Thomas could be in a spot of bother. No disrespect there. Uh, they also, there's mail around Sam Froling, even though he's got a year to run at Illawarra, but there's some talk. Then they've got the futures of Majuk and they've got the futures of Blanfield who have got contracts. Norton's got an extended contract. They've got some very big decisions to make the Perth Wildcats, Pete. Yeah, they do. And I guess that it helps that there's a bit, going to be a lot of movement around the other teams. So you're right, with those contracts, you're not going to be able to just get rid of local players. It's got to be something that you speak about together and come to like a mutual release. So mm. if other teams are like, hang on, we could really use a Mitch Norton or we could use a Todd Blanchfield if you're not trying to use him. And they come to some sort of mutual thing and Todd Blanchfield goes somewhere where maybe he's going to play a lot more. 
so he's a lot to play out. I think it's going to be a really, really hectic off-season. Certainly is. And before we let you go, Pete, and we're going to uh, chat to you, I'm sure, throughout the finals as well, Pete Hooley, our guest NBL analyst, sports writer and broadcast with ESP in Australia New Zealand. Um, mate, uh, Bryce Cotton didn't get the MVP. Xavier Cooks, deservingly so, he dominated. His team was the best in the competition. Uh, are you comfortable with that decision in regards to where that stood, or did you, do you, were you in the Bryce Cotton camp? No, I'm I'm more on the line of having played in pro ball. I think if you're if you're the best player on the best team and you're in that conversation, I'm always happy with the way that it goes. But make no mistake, down the end of the season, I was thinking, well, if Bryce can't get this, I'm not against this whatsoever. I was like, this man carried a heavy load, always does for his greatness. The only reason I really would have liked to see Bryce get it is I think he missed out on a couple now that's going to add to his resume. It's already incredible. So. Okay, that's it for me. I don't want him missing out on any more. If he gets this close again, I think we've just got to give it to him for his great <laughs> Yeah, totally agree. You've written, you've written a beautiful piece on Bryce Cotton on the NBL website. If anyone want to read about it, um, uh, fantastic. On the 199 games of Bryce Cotton, he's gone on to play 200, of course. He is one of the greats. Uh, there's no doubt about that. Pete, always enjoy your analysis, mate. Enjoy the rest of the final series, playoffs, play-ins, playoffs, end of season. Don't care what you call it, to be brutally honest with you. But there's five teams left, and may the best team win. Thanks, mate. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's Pete Hawley, NBL analyst, sports writer and broadcast with ESPN Australia and New Zealand. A break. Coming up after 7 o'clock, we head to India. Adam Gilchrist, they're also having a chat with our man in golf in the States because Tiger Woods is coming back to play. Yeah. And our man, Benny Everill, is at the coalface. He'll tell us more. Scott Ingos, Mark Duffield returns after 8 o'clock. He's got Josh Kennedy. He's got Paul Hazelby. He's got Darren Harris. And he's talking cricket with WA's Bo Casson.